be people smart, enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us for today's podcast. My name's Jodie Greer and I'm the founder of Be People Smart. So season two is all about myth busting. We hear a lot of things talked about with regard to disability inclusion and accessibility that basically we want to correct. And it's not just me. I'm going to be speaking to some wonderful guest speakers. And today I'm joined by the fabulous Graham Coth. Graham, can you just give us an introduction to yourself? Yes, certainly. Um, hello, everybody. My name's Graham Coth. I currently run a social media marketing business, um, which I started in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, prior to that, I worked in accessibility for about five and a half years, working for both uh, an assistive technology service provider and then a software house uh, who were building solutions for mainly higher education students in the North American market to help with note writing. Uh, and then prior to that, I worked in the, the field of workplace adjustments and accessibility for about 20 odd years. Excellent. Thanks, Graham. And um, that makes you even more pivotal to this conversation. So it's always great to have people with experience in the space. But obviously, people don't necessarily have to have experience, but we're here to help them learn. So one of the things I'm really keen to talk to you about, and I know this is, of course, um, your baby, is about um, marketing accessibility. But one of the myths I want to start with is that accessibility itself is a cost. And so I don't think people recognise the value to it. So I don't want to sort of really preempt too much. I just want to touch on the point with a bit of conversation. What do you say to that? Well, I guess the reason that people feel it's a cost is because actually their starting points in the wrong place. Um, and if you start in the wrong place, then it, it, it's going to cost you. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's like everything else. If if for example, you develop a system or you develop an app or you develop a website or you develop a you develop a, a whole piece of marketing and, and it's not accessible. And then you've got to change it to be accessible. You're going to pump money into something which you've already done. So that's why I guess it feels like it's a cost, because people are retrospectively trying to to resolve these things as opposed to thinking about the accessibility from scratch yeah definitely it's so important that we do design with accessibility in mind with whatever we're doing and one of the big things is you know we see stats bouncing about with all sorts of things but certainly with regards disability for instance we're talking you know one in five people so although accessibility needs very much differ um, in theory, if you're only reaching like 80% of your target audience, then the value to accessible marketing is huge. No, absolutely. Um, I think it's uh, one of the most interesting conversations I've ever had on it was with uh, Paul Smythe from Barclays Bank. Um, and he was talking about the value of the purple pound and just saying how you know the amount of older generation that that are gained in terms of market share by making things accessible and it's not that 
the accessibility is particularly aimed at people of a certain age. It was aimed, a lot of the stuff that they did was actually aimed at people with um, low vision or, or th that were hearing impaired, etc. But because that impacts upon the older generation as well, suddenly they found that they were getting far more of that generation through in terms of accessibility as well. So it just suddenly opened up another whole market for them. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think it's so easy that um, people sort of try and pigeonhole who they will be attracting. But the other thing is as well, accessibility actually improves the experience for all of us. I mean, I know me personally, I don't have any specific accessibility needs. But for instance, when something's intuitive, when it's really clearly legible, when the colours mean that I can read it first time, for me, that's so much better. And I'm actually going to take notice if I find it difficult, to be honest, I'll probably just keep scrolling. Yeah, I, I, I think it's I think the issue that you're talking about is high design. Over what is seen to be accessible, I, I think it's just a, a misunderstanding of what is accessible as well. Um, so I think we have to come back to that point. You know, it, it's. It's the idea that on the one hand, you've got this beautifully drawn, beautifully illustrated idea over here, which which looks really looks really sort of great, modern, techy, um, you know, has really interesting fonts, has really interesting colours, etc. And then over here, you've got something which is black and yellow with <laughs> rubbish, rubbish looking text. And, and that's that's accessible. And the other thing isn't. You know, I, I <laughs> yeah. think I think that's that's the problem is that pe people have been miseducated in terms of what accessibility really is and where, where it actually starts. Yeah, and actually that brings me really nicely onto something specific I wanted to also talk about, which um, is about being able to be creative, but also accessible, because I do hear people and they have come to me and said, you know, Jodie, I do want to be accessible, but I'm very creative. And it's really important to me that our marketing and, you know, all of our kind of branding um, is very attractive. And I don't think I can have both. And of course, people can have both. Um, you must experience this yourself when you're working with your own clients, Graham. Yeah, no, it's it's just look, it's a learning curve, isn't it? And it's just about it's just about listening and, and having having the conversation. I think the trouble is too often people don't even want to go into the narrative at all. They don't want to have the discussion. They don't want to even engage in it because they just don't feel that the, this has got any relevance. So going back to what you said at the beginning, you know, if you're going to be losing out on market share with everything you do, then that, that of course there's a relevance to it. And and also because we've kind of hit a, a culture of doing things in quite a lazy way as well. And I think that's part and parcel of it. Um, you, we just want to we just want to throw stuff out there very very quickly these days and not necessarily actually take enough time or enough consideration over what we're putting out there um, in the first place so actually is the quality of what you're doing in the first place 
really very good at all. Um, yeah, that's actually a really good point because I know LinkedIn's one of your primary platforms. And mm. like for me, I still see so many videos going out without captions, for instance. And at the end of the day, a lot of these videos are a marketing tool. You know, they are a marketing an individual or marketing a service within an organization. And the amount of people they're missing, because of course, if someone is deaf or hard of hearing, um, it'll be very difficult for them to even receive the message. But even, you know, language barriers, but busy people, for instance, who sometimes just want to switch off sound because of environment or so on and rely on captions. If they're not there, that message doesn't reach any of those people. No, it doesn't. And I think, as I say, I think the issue is um, the the speed. So people people just want to produce this stuff very quickly. And it, so there's, there's one of where that's one of the areas where the issue comes across which is that I suppose there is always a a feeling that you need to be as contemporaneous as possible you need to actually react uh, and produce something that's a reaction to something as quickly as possible so that you're the first one out there saying it and therefore if you actually have to add to the process in terms of producing that that's going to take a little bit longer um so i mean with that regards then it is difficult because you know the the systems that people use or the platforms that people use don't have always great inbuilt systems in order to provide the accessibility so if we take linkedin for example there is captioning if you do a LinkedIn Live. That's, I mean, it wasn't there when we, when LinkedIn Lives first started, but you know, it it appeared, um, and now there is a form of captioning there, um, and that was, I guess, that was kind of driven by the fact that uh, LinkedIn saw that people were still using YouTube as a link, uh, as an external link within for for video content within the LinkedIn platform, which they didn't want people to do because they would rather it was embedded within their own platform um but it, the the reason people were using youtube was because youtube would provide a captioning service so that then kind of forced the hand and and it was it's now there but if you upload uh, a video to to linkedin using your phone as you're out and about you try and do you know a quick post using your your phone to capture you talking for a minute or two there's no facility there for that video to be captioned so it yeah. requ- it requires you to pre-plan that as an event it means you've got to think about recording that as native video onto your phone uploading that into a captioning service do the captions etc then re-upload that into LinkedIn so it does it does add time it does add uh at you know a time consuming element to it and therefore that is going to put people off being able to do that very responsive kind of marketing if you like where i've responded to this because it literally i've just heard this on the news and now i'm responding to it as of this moment yeah i mean you're absolutely right and we do we need to put some pressure on the platforms that aren't really up to the mark 
But I'd also say I think sometimes people will have the best intentions, but it still slips. For instance, taking a YouTube video and pulling it into um, LinkedIn, you then don't have the captions unless you actually follow a link to YouTube. Correct. Because you can't directly switch them on. So it, it actually kind of kills the point from an accessibility perspective. Um, which is why I always add direct captions to all my videos, just because I, I want to make sure that people can um, tell what's going on. Um, but also, I think there's a misconception sometimes, and I get completely what you're saying with those quick turnarounds, because it, it can be frustrating. But there's also a misconception, I think, of two things. One, the amount of time and it can take because for short videos it can actually be really really quick to do but mm. also the cost of it I think sometimes people assume to add captions or to subscribe to one of these apps that you know it's, it's going to really sort of up their bill and again you can actually do it for a very low cost. Yeah I mean th that's the thing there's so many of these um, providers out there now that enable you to do it I, I have to say I think some of them still need to work in terms of those providers I think some of them still need to work on their integrations a little bit better I mean I, and I think this is an area where I'm really I've always been really fascinated which is that I do feel that assistive technology or anything with that's assistive tech that helps people with accessibility it has traditionally been developed as a standalone and as a as a sort of a bolt-on if you like to other systems and what we really need to see is we do need to see more integration you 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 don't want there to be so many parts of the process so for example if you're producing a video um and you've obviously got to put that video somewhere in order for that video to then go through the captioning process so you can then find it and then upload it again as that you quite often you've got to go through something like Google Drive or something like that so you're adding another part to the process it would be really great to be able to go okay I'm going to do this video now I'm going to upload it to this this service provider who are going to allow me to do the captions edit it and then publish that straight to this social platform yeah you know and and, and as, as soon as we start taking out those different steps in the process then more people will do it and i think having some kind of learning around toolkits and stuff to make it easy um would, would really help because you talk about all these different steps I do create some of my own videos. You can probably tell what ones I literally do on my own. Um, but for instance, so I'll record a video. Mm. Then I go into one, one application to, you know, add the logo, for instance, for Be People Smart. Yeah. Then I save that somewhere. So it's already been saved. Then I've done it in there. And then I save it as my kind of updated version. Yeah. Then I go into my <laughs> captioning app. Yeah. And I add my captions and then I upload it. And then I save it as the captioned one. And then I end up having to play catch up as to clean up all my files because there's three for each video. Yeah. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's certainly not streamlined. I don't want to no. make it sound over complicated and put people off. But I'm also no video editor, to be fair. But a lot of us aren't. No. And, and this is what I say. I, I Look, 
if you want everybody to do it, it's it's no good that it's just, oh, if you know how to use this, that and the other and you're an, an expert in video or whatever, then this stuff is easy because you've been taught how to use it. You know, and if you've if you've done a degree in it at university, then that's great. But we we want everybody to do all of this. Yeah. So it, it we want this to become the norm for everybody to do it. And yeah, there, therefore, the technologies that that are the ones where people are buying into them because they're at the right price, they're they're fairly easy to use in terms of um, access, you know, in, in, in general accessibility in terms of what it is, how how you use this as a system, how you how the functionality of it, for example, things like Canva, for example, as a as a you know a drawing tool which virtually everybody on linkedin uses for doing um you know post graphics etc you know those are the types of system that we need to see becoming as accessible as possible right because so that they've got the market share they're the ones that everybody is using those are the systems that we need to see being integrated and streamlined so that you you literally you use that one particular platform, you produce what you need to produce in it, you you create the accessibility through that platform, press a share button, upload it to the social platform that you need to get to. And the simpler that journey is for people, the more people will use it. Yeah, and again, this comes back to how accessibility enables us all because that kind of simple, more um, uh, effective user experience piece basically is accessibility is it you know that that makes people able to use a tool it works for them they understand how to use it and so on um yeah and that makes a big difference for all of us i love simple <laughs> yeah well it's simple simple rocks <laughs> you know simple does rock i agree yeah <laughs> the one thing i do want to say is because i really don't want to put people off doing this it isn't you know adding another industry to what you do and for short videos, it really isn't that complicated to add um, captions. But I also will add, because I'm not going to, you know, mislead expectations, that automated captioning in some platforms is better than others, mm. but it's never 100% accurate. And so not only to make sure that people receive the right message and that that experience is more equitable, but also because you want people to hear what you're actually trying to tell them, it is really important that you double check the text and don't just hit a button to publish because sometimes it could give a very different message which could actually not necessarily be detrimental but could go against what you're actually trying to portray does that make sense graham yeah no that, that does that does make sense um I, look i've i've found all the ones that i've been trying lately have i've found to be honest are around about 90 percent accurate you know, I, it, it's a little bit like when I talk to people about things like Dragon, you know, years ago, bless them, when when Dragon first came out, it was it was hard work. I'm good. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, it was it was hard work. But, you know, having having trained people on Dragon, um, even going back sort of five years ago now, um, it it's so, so good these days. And voice recognition i mean we see voice recognition across multiple apps these days is so much better than it used to be the ai is is getting better and better daily uh, but it's about 
AI improves because people are putting data into that AI and using it. So it is a little bit chicken and egg. If the more people that actually sign up for these services, the more people that actually use captioning software, etc., to to produce captions for video, the better it's going to get because it, it's all feeding off of people data. Yeah, definitely. I just want to say for the listeners who aren't aware of it, Dragon is a very clever um, piece of kit that literally allows you to control your device with your voice, um, which helps people, um, not just people with limited mobility and dexterity, for instance, but it just helps people who are really busy and it can be really helpful. So that's one thing. And AI, um, which a lot of us know as a term, but just in case um, from a language perspective, is artificial intelligence. Um, I always like to elaborate on any acronyms. No, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, and I, I've used um, Dragon in the past as well because I'm dyslexic. Um, and, you know, the, the, the fact that you can just talk into your computer and what you say comes out with the right spelling, better grammar, etc. is is great too. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, taking us back into marketing, you and I have been talking, Graham, about some of the really cool um, uh, campaigns we've seen out there from some of the uh, organisations. Mm. And two that kind of stood out for us, there are others, um, were Nextstand and RNIB. Mm. So um, do you want to share a little bit about how Nextstand have taken, you know, ac um, marketing accessibility to the next level? And then I'll share a bit about RNIB. Well, I think it's really about trying to create images that actually say everything in the image as much as anything else. Um, you know, you don't. That, that's the other thing that, that some people have so much text <laughs> um, and, and kind of overcomplicate everything in terms of the way that they put their image, their, their message out. Um, so it. For me, it was really about trying to strip back things to to core values and actually get as much in the the image as well as possible so that just seeing the image, it conveys everything within that that one image or that one uh, that, that one shot, as it were, and just making sure that colors are really offset against each other. And it can be, you know, going back to the yellow black thing um the reason that people talk about yellow black etc is because it's in high contrast to each other but you can you can you can create high contrast with with various colors as sticking to a palette but getting a palette which really does work in contrast to each other is is a really good way to go um you know don't don't have things where it's really quite difficult to pick out one particular word against another. Um, and the, the other thing is to reiterate the message again within the post text. So once you've made the statement with the image is just to use the text within the post to actually describe what's going on within the within the picture as well, because um, that's I think that's another way of really helping anyone in terms of accessibility is is to kind of play upon that story again and, and talk about that within the text. 
Yeah, definitely. So for anyone who isn't aware of Next Stand, I hope you're sitting comfortably um, because um, Next Stand are a, um, I don't know if I'd say supplier or manufacturer. Graham probably knows better than me because we've been talking about this a lot. Um, but they provide uh, ergonomic equipment, so laptop stands, but also there's a really cool piece of kit that's with a canopy so you can actually sit outside in the sun. I'm quite excited by this. I'm getting this for the summer. Um, I already have laptop sound. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm probably doing them a disjustice and not really overselling next stand. But check them out. They're great. What would you say, Graham? Well, uh, yeah, the, it's ergonomic equipment. Um, the, the main distributor for that ergonomic equipment um, uh, across many of the uh, many of places of, in the world. Um, I think what's important as i say as well is that they're really trying to focus on um a, a clear a clear message which has been lost as well which is that it's really quite dangerous not using some of this equipment with things like a laptop you know we it's so many people just buy a laptop every year um and then start using it without any accessories but, uh, you know, the guidance is there in terms of HSE and, um, and you know, good ergonomic advice from from professionals that using a laptop without key accessories means that, you know, you, you're going to it's going to affect your eyesight. It's going to affect your um, head and neck position, et cetera. It, you know, you could potentially pick up uh, MSDs as well, which are musculoskeletal disorders. Um, so, yeah, it's. It's a strong message, but the way that they do it is with a sense of humour um, and also quite shocking at, at times <laughs> as well. Yeah. So did you see the um, practice safe tech? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I won't say whether I had anything to do with that or not. Um, but the yeah, the, <laughs> that whole campaign is is actually using using people's uh, knowledge of another industry and actually twisting that to, to relate it to uh, posture and the effect on you uh, of, of not using these these devices. So clearly it's sort of related to uh, safe sex <laughs> and the use of protection when having sex, etc. But it, it t twisted that round and said that actually if you don't use these devices and if you don't if you just carry them with you and you but then you don't use them then you're going to put yourself at risk so there you know it was drawing on similarities to a message that was already out there in in uh, the wider sector about something completely different and it was just playing on words yeah I, I just for me that really stood out I mean it was comical and all right that kind of campaign theme might not suit everybody and it might not suit all cultures for instance mm. um but i i actually found that, that it just really kind of resonated purely because it stuck in my mind because it was different and yeah it, it kind of put their head above a pulpit but similarly yeah. they did the one recently um it was like a like a, a cigarette packet with a warning on it, but it was a laptop with a warning on it Correct. Yeah. And there's more of those to come. Um, <laughs> so if people haven't seen, check it out, because to be honest, it's fun anyway. And it will just give you food for thought for marketing. It's just, yeah, it's clever stuff. Well, there's one out today. Uh, if, you're, if you're having a look at um, 
Sam Eaton's the, the, the main person on LinkedIn. If you have a look at her profile, you'll see there's one in there today with um, you've got some old cigarette adverts. Now, this is quite this is quite an interesting idea. I mean, years ago, um, we used to advertise cigarettes by showing doctors smoking, even babies with cigarettes in their mouths, Father Christmas with a cigarette. <laughs> you know, all of that was totally acceptable. Um, and yet today what we're doing is we're showing you wouldn't do that these days. Right. You just wouldn't do that. We know that that's unacceptable behavior. But these days, so many companies are showing people using a laptop curled up on a sofa, lying on the floor, um, hunched over a desk. You know, and they're actually using these stock images to promote their business. Yeah, and, I've, and I've yeah, commented on some of these. <laughs> yeah. And, and therefore what they're doing is they're actually saying this is acceptable behavior. This is this is OK for this to be going on. So um, that that whole campaign is about saying to people, look, actually, this is this is no longer acceptable in the same way that, you know, you would be shocked these days if anyone showed a, a baby with a cigarette in its mouth. We need to change the narrative we need to change the the way that we actually um, show these things to society and we need to say look if you're using a laptop use it safely it's it's not a it's not a big change it's a small change but I, I just feel that this is where all all things need to go in terms of narrative we just need to decide look if this is the right thing to be doing this is the right way to um, portray these different things we need to stop portraying it in the opposite way it, and yes. that's that's the same with accessibility as well isn't it we need to stop we need to stop saying it's all right not to be accessible absolutely and it's not all right and it's not all right not to take care of yourself either i just from a marketing perspective it's definitely a campaign that stuck out for me and another for me is the rnib which um in the uk the royal national institute for the blind mm. so they've had was kind of a two-tier thing really but they had some um imagery recently that said things like um it wasn't I don't know, it wasn't my taste buds, I'm probably ad-libbing this a little bit, that stopped me ordering one of your large deep pan pepperoni pizzas, it was your website. Um, and there's something else, you know, it wasn't my waistline, for instance, stopped me ordering that um, long blue <laughs> dress, it was your website. You yeah. know, um, they might not be the exact words, but it was that kind of um, narrative around it. And it, it was just so clever because it, it helps organisations and especially small business as well to kind of go oh oh okay I'm literally missing out because I'm not enabling you to do business with me yeah. so I really like that but the other one which was big is they set up an actual shop and in this shop it had all goods in it I mean it looked similar to a sweet shop type thing but it had cans and packets and so on but everything was in a completely blank white packaging so all tins and cartons and wrappers that look like they might be chocolate bars were just plain white so no nutritional value on them no titles or anything um and the thing that was amazing was people were going in of course sort of checking it out and you watch the video of it 
and they have no idea what they're picking up right because without proper service or without other tools because there's some brilliant solutions out there now um if you couldn't see them you don't know what you're getting yeah Did, did anyone buy anything I don't actually know from the video if people bought stuff. It was more a kind of conversation piece as to how do I know? Good question. Yeah, yeah. I bet some people did. I, I, I mean, because this is the thing. I think some people would would understand, you know, the novelty of that and go, yeah, I'm going to buy it anyway. But yeah, look, it, it makes the point, which is that how do you know? Um, what you're getting unless the the packaging is right the labeling is right you can actually you know I mean what why why do we not have packaging that on on lots of things where you can tell what it is from the, the packaging you know um, and it, it I guess what the, what they're saying as well is if you if you don't have good eyesight or you've got you know you've got uh you know over 50 percent uh eyesight uh loss then you know you you can't see what's necessarily what's on the packet anyway so what else tells you what that is <laughs> yeah definitely i mean to be honest some packaging has such poor contrast even with my glasses on where i've got very good vision i can't tell you what's in it yeah no, <laughs> uh, absolutely and and does it need to you know i mean for example, I mean, you, you may know that something, say, uh, you know, a particular chocolate bar because it comes in a um, it, it comes in a box where the shape of the box tells you that it's a particular particular chocolate. Um, you know, you think something like Toblerone, for example. Yeah, yeah that'd be fairly obvious. Um, but other chocolate bars all feel the same. You know, if you can't label each individual bar, can't can you not label something on the shelf to tell you what's yeah. what's on the shelf with in in braille or or in some other way so that someone actually knows what that is you know it's, it's interesting because there's more um companies now starting to introduce for instance tactile solutions so again I'm kind of um, making this up to a point but you know like one dot would be shampoo two dots would be um conditioner um for a certain brand but there's some really clever kit out there now. And I am going to um, kind of promote NaviLens here. Mm. Um, but basically, NaviLens is a solution where you put one of the codes on a on a packet, um, a bit like a QR code, but it's not a QR code. Um, but the way that the technology works with it, you can read that code from quite a distance and it will navigate you to it. So you find the code you want, so you find the product you want effectively in yeah. an aisle, say, and it will tell you how to, you know, where to get to it. And then it will tell you when you're there. That's the idea behind it. And in the UK at the moment, there's a brilliant um TV um advert out for um Pantene hair products because they've partnered with NaviLens and it's actually um a blind lady who is on the advert sharing, you know, how much it bothers her when her hair feels bad and so on. Um, and with the help of NaviLens, she can find her own Pantene. But it's great stuff, you know, and technology really is starting to help us make these marketing improvements. But even with larger organisations, they don't even often understand what's out there. Yeah. That, but the trouble is you, you get a product. I'm not dismissing that, but the trouble is you get a product and the product is 
then accessible but it's then put into an environment which isn't accessible and you've got to you've got to find <laughs> you've got to find the product within the shop uh when you can't navigate around the shop so i mean that, that that's another whole piece isn't it and maybe oh, that's yeah. <laughs> That's a future episode. <laughs> oh, but you know, um, so many environments aren't aren't uh, easy to navigate around. I mean, uh, you know, when you think about it, some of the technologies that are being developed, especially around AI, should lend themselves to great accessibility as well. And you actually think they're not really necessarily being thought about from an accessibility point of view in the first instance. They're actually being thought about from a cost saving point of view or an efficiency point of view. But it actually it would take very little to add to it to improve it from an accessibility standpoint. So, for example, you, you, you've heard about the Amazon stores where you walk in and you literally take things. You scan your phone as you go in and then you take things off the shelf. And as you take things off the shelf, um, AI is noticing what you're taking and where you're taking it from. And then you just walk out and you've paid for them. Yes. I've never heard of this. OK, so that exists. Uh, and there are stores in the UK already um, that, that they've opened up like that. There's there's more in America, but they've started to open up some of those in the UK. But just think about that. If if you if the technology can tell you what you've brought and therefore take the money off of your card as you walk out it could actually be telling you what you're picking up as you pick it up as well yeah, yeah? so you could as you reach for that you know chicken and ham sandwich or whatever it could tell you that's the chicken and ham oh no move your move your hand to the left you've got you know, you've got a, a bacon salad and move your hand to the right. You've got an egg and something else, you know. So it would that would be so easy to do and just feed that information perhaps back to your phone. Who could then say to you, this is what you're this is what you've got in your hand. That's that's what's next to it. Left and right. There you are. Pick up the right thing. I confirmed that's what you've picked up and off you go. So it's it would be a very small step to build in accessibility into that that situation as well. Yeah, no, that's great stuff. Thank you. Um, question I want to make sure I ask you, because I like to ask this question of people to see what they come up with. Mm. If you could have a magic wand, Harry Potter style, and change one thing in the marketing world, what would you change? Gosh, <laughs> if, if I could change one thing in the marketing world. Um, I just like to see more people being more creative, actually. Um, I, I, I think that there still a distinct lack of creativity in terms of general marketing from people. I think if you've got the budget, um, I see some very creative. There's there's obviously some very creative things from people, but I think in general, um, and it's something this this is a narrative that I've been talking about a little bit with someone else on LinkedIn recently. I think that one of the issues with social media is that people validate their marketing against their network and don't necessarily validate it against the 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 people that actually are going to respond to that marketing. Yeah. Um 
So I, I, I think there's a lot of echo chamber marketing out there and, and that that's really very dangerous. I mean, you can see it in terms of a lot of people's posts on things like LinkedIn. If, if all you're getting all the time is responses from people in your industry who are kind of clapping their hands at, you know, the fact that you're saying what they're saying as well, then you're, what you're doing is a great job of uh, congratulating each other. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but you're not actually marketing to your audience. So I just like people to think a little bit more about who their target is. What we 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 talk about in our strapline. But I think people need to think a lot more about who their target market is, where their target market are, and what you need to do in order to start conversations with your target market where they are um, that way you will get better at social selling that way you will actually start to to target people that you want to have conversations with um, and so that you know maybe maybe step outside of your own zone occasionally yeah so I think this is another thing for, for some of us the kind of marketing piece just isn't um, something that comes naturally but also for some of us I think we get so close to our own product or service um, that you kind of need another set of eyes and ears to add some creativity but also let's face it someone who's an expert in that space yes so if people want to um, contact you Graham I can share links obviously when I uh, put the episode out but how do they get in touch? Uh, they can go to the website, which is um, www.abetterwayoflife.co.uk. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you'll, you'll find me. Um, uh, Graham Cove, C-O-A-T-H. Um, or I'm on, I'm all over the place. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'm on Instagram as well. Um, everything's under A Better Way of Life. So you should be able to find me on any of those. Thank you very much. I will I will put the links out, as I say, um, to make sure that people can reach out, because I, I hope and I feel that um, you would have given people food for thought today. So I do hope that that's the case. And I just want to say a big thank you to Graham for coming to speak to us about um, accessibility, about marketing, but also, as I say, to dispel those myths that you can't have the best of both worlds because you absolutely can. So a big thank you to you, Graham. No, thank you for thank you for having me. Just go out and try it, folks. That's the thing. You know, if you if you keep putting videos up there, but you've never tried captioning them, try it. See what better response you get. Brilliant message. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. And yeah, look out for uh, more myth busting in the rest of season two. Thank you for listening to this podcast and we really hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please do get in touch. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on the other wonderful guest speakers we have lined up.